everyone, I'm your host Roy George and welcome to Triple Threats and Beyond. something days because COVID-19 probably shouldn't make jokes about it, but we're doing it anyways. Um, I have on the phone, actually on Skype, on video, but you're not seeing the video. I am, is the lovely and badass producer, Jess Weiss. And so welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you so much, Rory. Very excited to be here. We get to talk about all the things and I'm going to try and get you to spill so much tea and tell all the bad stories that you probably shouldn't tell, but doesn't matter. So welcome. Um, you're, where are you now? Are you East Coast, West Coast, Mid Coast? Um, so I'm in Harlem and I haven't left my apartment in close to 20 days now. Um, the last time I left was to go grocery shopping, which was fun. And I have been officially quarantining for a month now, yes. uh, which is great. You know, you're in a whole new world when grocery shopping is now the most fun you can have in the day. Yes, that is so true. And since the last time I went grocery shopping, I had it delivered after. And that was also exciting times. Are you doing this Instacart thing? I do Prime Now. And the, the tip to do with Prime Now is that because you'll probably go on Prime Now and see that they don't have any delivery slots open. You wait until midnight and then it opens another day. Oh, cool. So okay. that way you can always get your delivery. I like that. I used Instacart for the first time and was so blown away. And then I watched them shop for me and it was, oh, it was beautiful. I was so excited. Amazing. Not like on video because that's creepy, but like every time they scan yeah, something. Like, what? No, no. Every time they scan something, it like popped up on my phone and I was like, yes, this is cool. So um, impressive. You are a producer extraordinaire and oh, thank you. have quite the resume. And so I want to know what got you started in all of that. Ooh, good question. Um, I have been in the industry as far as I can remember. Um, I got my first job at 15 and I always knew I wanted to be in film. I got my camera for my bat mitzvah when I was 12. My nine-year-old birthday party was chaplain theme. Oh, wow. So I have been obsessed for quite the long, the longest time. Um, and basically in, Close to college years, um, I went to basically the the a film academy equivalent in Rio. I'm Brazilian, by the way. Yes. Um, and they pushed me towards assistant directing and producing classes. And basically, I feel like all my life, not that I've been pushed towards producing, but I kind of fell onto it, mm -hmm. and it came very naturally to me. And I started as an assistant director. Um, 
in film, and for those who don't know, that's basically stage management in theater. And I would deal with a few producers, especially in college and when we're young, that don't know exactly what they're doing. And I was like, okay, let me do that for you then. And I found myself um, really enjoying not only the scheduling aspects of it and breakdown aspects of it, but really also the budgeting and logistics aspects of it. And it allows me to also be creative with notes giving and and seeing a project through from early development to delivery and festivals and distribution. So I like um, I like being a part of it for, for all the phases and um, you know being able to not only have a creative say but also being able to to prep and deliver it well for the crew um, so that everybody has a good time. That's so awesome. What is a common misunderstanding about the life of a producer? That is also a good question. Um, A lot of people think that the life of a producer is very glamorous uh, because I get to meet famous people and go to fun film festivals and uh, create a movie. Um, but that's maybe 5% of my job. Um, and the 95% of my job is dealing with transportation and bathrooms and food and breakfast, making sure we have gluten-free options and making sure that there's enough toilet paper and, and figuring out what to do with the trash and recycling and compostable and hiring the crew when somebody got sick and finding a replacement. And, I think that everybody thinks that I don't think anybody thinks it's easy, but everybody thinks it's so much fun and there's definitely a fun aspect to it. Absolutely. What is a piece of advice that you would give to people wanting to become a producer and to learn how to do this? I get a lot of people who are interested in becoming producers. Um, and a lot of the times they don't really know what it means to be a producer. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's perfectly okay. I think that as much as I do recommend people going to film schools um, because you learn so much and you build a network of people, I don't think that film schools do enough of a good job to really explain all the positions that exist in the industry, Mm -hmm. uh, which often happens in every industry. Um, And I think that there is something to be said about like, you know, Oh, I want to be a producer, but it's like, well, do you want to be a line producer? Do you want to be a production manager? Do you want to be in the office as a production coordinator? Do you want to be in the accounting side? Do you want to just do the fun stuff? Well, good luck just finding the fun stuff. (laughs) Um, And I think a lot of people who originally want to produce um, end up finding themselves in other positions that they like better. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of positions in film that resemble producing because it's all we do. But there are several positions that are much more department specific. Like Mm -hmm. an art department coordinator is very much of a production coordinator in the art department. And then you can deal more with clearances and graphics and other things that you might really be good at, but not necessarily that much of budgeting and scheduling. So it's all also a, a lot about finding out what your strengths are and mm. finding out what you want. And particularly for me, it has always worked well finding out what I really don't want to do. Um, and what I like to say about film is that it's truly a microcosmic 
society that any any one of your traits can probably find itself in film. Like if you're in construction, people build sets all, sets all the time and we have a construction coordinator. If you're a driver, we have a ton of drivers. If you're a plumber, like there's so many things that if you want to work in film, you can. You just need to figure out how to get in mm -hmm. and what do you want to do? I love that. I absolutely love that. Do you, so it's 2020 and this should not be a question that anyone has to ask, but because it's my show and no one can tell me not to, I'm going to ask the damn question. Uh, as a female producer, have you run into any snags growing up or currently in the industry where you would like to see some change? And if so, what would that be? Good question. You have, you're full of the good questions. Thank you. Um, and all the very hard ones. Um, I think that as a female producer, I have always had a good amount of leadership in my life mm -hmm. as a person. Um, I think that one thing that I work very hard is that some men try to mensplain things to me. And they try to, even on meetings, basically quiet me and be like, well, I think what you mean is like, I'm perfectly capable of saying exactly what I mean. And I've had great conversations with men that I work with that understand that and apologize for moments that have done it wrong and it became a lesson learned. Mm -hmm. And I've also had to work with people that I completely understand that they won't change. I also have worked with a lot of women who have issues relying on women mm. and because we're so used to the male figure of leadership mm -hmm. um, and that is definitely also an issue in our industry but I've also been very fortunate to work with a lot of women who want to support each other um, and are so badass and we rely on each other mm. um, I think it's a person-to-person situation rather than rather than a, a group of people and I do like to think of myself of, as somebody who surrounds myself with awesome woke people um it's a I hate that word but it works um Absolutely. and it's in trying to figure out how to move forward with the industry not not only as gender equal pay, but including more people of color and including more LGBTQIA plus community. Uh, I think we're all working hard to understand what are the best ways to bring more people in, in a way that makes us all get to know each other because so, so much of film is really who, you know, and the shorthand of like, yeah, I went to college with him that it's very much based on privilege and it's hard to find the people who are fantastic at their jobs that are not necessarily one phone call away. They might be three phone calls away. Right. Um, and understanding um, how, how to get those people in. In terms of the people that you get to see and cast and work with, do you find that there are more issues with young people? And if so, what would that issue be? And how do we fix that? Are you asking particularly about um, from the perspective of gender or people of color? Or are you asking like very broadly? Conduct, like the conduct of people. Do you find that 
the younger folks are not necessarily as educated or as in the mindset of this is what you do on a set and this is how you act and this is what you should, how you should conduct yourself. A hundred percent. I mean, um, there are definitely some colleges that are known in the industry that once, once you graduate, you're, you've done a couple of short films and they might've played at some big festivals and you might've won some awards and, and the young graduate filmmaker comes out of college calling themselves an award-winning writer, director, producer, which is fair. Um, but at the same time, your first job is probably as a production assistant, getting coffee to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a lot of ego in the industry that has to be, um, bended. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has to be, you know, understood and a lot of people overcome it and a lot of people don't, mm-hmm. and that's perfectly fine. Um, and it, it sets your career path in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's understanding when to ask questions and when not to ask questions. Um, film set is a very high speed uh, work. And there are moments that I'm going to tell you, Hey, get a bottle of water. And I don't need to hear back from you. It's like, well, do you want a Fiji? Do you want a bottle? Do you want to just, just give me a bottle of water for this person? Just figure it out. And there are moments that you can, that you can definitely ask questions and, and reach out to a producer or reach out to somebody in your crew to even understand more about what mm-hmm. you do. I think for people that are starting out, there's a lot about reading people. There's a lot about working well under stress. Um, And the biggest thing for anybody starting out in the industry is getting used to the very long hours Mm -hmm. um, because there's no way around it. And it's perfectly fine that you might not get used to it, but I think it's something that you need to learn about yourself very early on. And if it's the case that you don't like it, there will be room for you in the industry. Might just not be on set. Okay. Yeah. If you could ask anything of our high school teachers that teach film classes or our college professors that are getting ready to spit out some of these, uh, you know, undergrad kids or graduate kids, what would you request of them? I think it's really hard because they're trying to teach a lifetime of experience in one class or in four years. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think one of the biggest issues with how film is taught in universities and high schools is that it's much more thought as, um, as cinema studies than as film production. And both of them exist as majors. Cinema studies is basically analyzing films and understanding, understanding the structure of films and understanding what films are and what the story that they're trying to tell. And all of us in film production have had those classes as well. However, a lot of our film school backgrounds rely heavily on that as opposed to relying on film production classes and creating short films and creating and understanding about the distribution side of things. I think that all film schools in general as universities miss a very crucial step as, as a producer for accounting, for example. And I think that going even beyond the industry and going into high school in general, it's like, it's basically teaching home ec and it's like, nobody knows kind of like how to do their taxes. And it's something that 
every high school everywhere should be teaching. And mm-hmm. then on that step, like every film school should also be te- teaching you how to do your expenses because that's the basics of every department. Uh, but that's very much of a producer brain in saying, hey, you need to know the numbers before we fully analyze Citizen Kane. Um, and everybody analyzes Citizen Kane, Kane and nobody really teaches people how to do a budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also goes to say that there are several different departments and maybe not all departments need that. I love that. If you could tell us a hard lesson that you've learned from being in the industry, what would it be? There are a lot of them. Um, I think even going back to like what's what lesson I would teach young people, I think the biggest lesson that one can learn in several times in their lives is knowing their place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes for if you're a production assistant, if you are a production coordinator, if you are a producer, I think there are a lot of ways to step on somebody's toes in this industry. And there's a lot of ways to check in with each other to make sure that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the biggest thing for me, which was a, a new lesson that I've learned, um, but at the same time, it's kind of obvious, is that the core of what we do is communication. Yeah. Sure, we're communicating a story, but we're also communicating with our crew and we're communicating with everybody so much so that if we don't communicate well, a lot of things are going to go wrong mm. and we need to learn how to communicate well and make sure that the information gets across. I love that. Thank you. you are a wealth of knowledge. I appreciate oh it. If you could go back and do something again because the feeling was amazing or because it was horrible and you feel like you can do it again, what would it be? Um, it's going to be a funny answer, but intern. Uh, I had some of my best experiences as an intern mm-hmm. and it felt absolutely amazing to intern for certain films because it was one of the few times in my life, especially now looking back in hindsight, that I had no responsibility apart from like the very, very basics because I'm an intern and I wasn't, I didn't care about getting paid. So I was literally there for all the right reasons Mm -hmm. and that felt so good. And I really felt like I was learning something and I was part of something bigger and that was great. Um, so I, there's something that I've talked to a couple of friends um, who are younger and who like I've had graduated college already, but they were just starting up. It, there's something about the the bright eyes feeling of somebody who's just entering film school or who's yep. interning yeah. for the first time that they have so much hope and dreams and love for the industry and unfortunately as we grow older we especially in new york which i love about the city but it also can be tough is that we're so jaded sometimes and there are some people that sneer at a somewhat high rate even if because it's a $50 lower than what they're used to. And it's like, dude, but it's still a really good amount of money. Like so many people in the world are not making that much money. And I wish 
there was a way of putting that like rose colored glasses on mm -hmm. and, and try to see the world again as, as I did as an intern mm -hmm. and try to see that world again when it was like, we're doing this, we're, we're making this happen. I made that movie. Like we made, we made this project happen and there is a, there is a pride level and there is a beauty level that we need to remember. What is, I hate asking this question, but I'm asking it because again, it's my show. I do what I want. Um, this is like asking which child is your favorite. And if you ask my mother, it's me, but which project that you've worked on has been your favorite because the connections you've made or the lessons you've learned, whatever that may be, why does this specific project stick out to you? It's obviously a very hard question as you put it. Um, there are several, several, several projects that have been so important in my life for so many different reasons. Um, the first project that I produced in New York that was associate producer on was called Knucklehead. Mm -hmm. And I was 20 years old. Um, and a lot of people didn't realize that I wasn't even 21. And I learned so much from that movie and it was such a tough shoot and it was a huge learning experience as far as creative and managing and logistics and finding proof for no money and making deals and source, sorting out the paperwork um, that it was great and I met so many wonderful people on it and then I also interned on Kill Your Darlings about a year after that with Daniel Radcliffe, which was great. Um, and it was my first time on a tier one film, which for those who don't know is basically like the lowest um, union tier uh, for independent films. Mm -hmm. So I got to see how a bigger but still small set worked. Um, and I got to ask questions and, and just be a part of something and see so much. And I was very lucky to be a part of that job because I got to intern both in the office and on set and meet so many wonderful people from that. Um, and basically, uh, the DP on that project was Reed Morano, who then brought me to her first feature as a director of Meadowland in which I was a producer's assistant. So it's, wild to see how a project really leads to knowing somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody and it keeps on growing and that's only the level of like the big projects that I've done uh, when I was at NYU I also randomly applied to a job post general job board thing online and I ended up paying for this uh, project called Percival's Big Night um, that was nine years ago and I've produced the director's last two features because he's become a dear friend um, and I love working with him and, and that team so I've basically been working with that team for the past nine years and I grew from a PA to a producer uh, and it's awesome to see not only how we've all grown as creative people but also how we've all grown together and understand each other well and I think there's definitely something to be said about working with people that you love and having the shorthand of trust. So I wish I could pick which one of my kids I love best, uh, but they're, they're, it's, it's a tree. It's one that leads to so many. Um, 
and it's I, I love it. That's so awesome. If um oh god, I had a great question now it's gone. Oh, come back. It was so good. Oh, who in your industry influences you? Good question. Um there are a lot of people actually. There is this line producer producer called Jill Footlick um that I had the opportunity to work with three years ago. And she was a great inspiration as a person that I look up to and I'm like, I hope one day I'm you. Um she's a badass producer who does her job so well. Uh and she can be so tough, but most of the time she is the most pleasant person. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she deals with that fine line of being a great boss so well. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, there's a lot of being a producer that is very Machiavellian in terms of like, do you want to be loved or feared? And you walk that fine line of you need respect. And even going back to your question about being a, a female producer, that there's a lot there that you need to be respected, mm. but you also don't want to be underestimated and you also want people to listen to you and know that you care. Um, so she was a great inspiration and still is a great inspiration and she's just a fantastic human. If you could go back 10 years and tell yourself something about what you know now, what would it be? It's really funny because, you know, 10 years ago. Okay. So I was already hustling 10 years ago. And I think that if I had to tell myself to, if I had to tell something about the future, I would say, keep on doing what you're doing because Mm. you get there to some extent. But at the same time, I hope that my, the version of me 10 years from now would also look back and say, tell me the same thing. So that, like, hopefully right now the hustle that I'm doing is also going to lead to something more. And I think that the beauty of what I do and the hustle is that there is such a high level of ambition Mm -hmm. uh, that we always want more. I always want more films and better films and better budgets and and wildest stories. Um, And all of them are a different puzzle to figure out. Um, So it's... I hope they they keep on coming because so far it's been awesome. Well, I am looking forward to seeing what happens. So if you had to, if it's all said and done, what would your legacy be? Like, what would you hope your legacy would be? Um, it's really funny because I think I wrote an NYU essay about this forever ago. Um, there is the, I, I'm a huge believer in a philosophy that is implied on it's a wonderful life mm-hmm. and it's in a, it's a wonderful life. Jimmy Stewart, uh, Jimmy Stewart's character is basically like, I was, I'm stuck in this small town. I've never accomplished anything. The only way to save the small town is to kill myself so that they have my life insurance. And then this angel comes to save him and was like, what do you mean? You didn't do anything. And then he goes into like, uh, Christmas pass of his life and he sees that every single thing that he's done actually made other lives better. And I'm a huge believer on that. I don't, 
as much as, sure, it would be great to win an Oscar and make a movie that is regarded as one of the best movies in history. That would be fantastic. But also to know that one person who was struggling once with a particular thing and watched my movie and it made her day better is kind of enough, too. And it's a lot about presenting stories that propel discussion and make people feel acknowledged and make people feel like they're seen. Um, I think there is a lot about that that entices me to do what I do. And it's a lot in the stories that I want to tell. I love that. Well, listen, I want to do a little rapid fire because I can and I want to. So I'm going to ask you some questions. You ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Is it, is it the idea that I'm supposed to just answer them fast? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite color? Purple. Favorite candy? Chocolate. Favorite TV show? Friends. Uh, favorite pre-shoot meal? Cheese fries. Post-shoot meal? Cheese fries. Favorite show currently on Broadway? That's tough. Hamilton. Go-to musical genre? Go to musical genre? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Pop, modern, jazz, oh. rock, heavy metal. Um, rock. Uh, if you could be any other occupation, what would it be? Producing something else. <laughs> All-time favorite movie? Cinema Paradiso. Oh, all right, then. Uh, old-school Broadway show before 1970. Sound of Music. Oh, me too. Guilty Pleasure Snack? Nutella. Guilty Pleasure Trash Television Show. Friends? <laughs> Favorite holiday? Favorite holiday? Uh, Yom Kippur. Favorite season? Winter. Uh, East Coast or West Coast? East. Favorite vacation spot? Uh, that one's tough. Never repeat it. Never repeat vacation spots. I always go to a new one. Fair point. What's the most, what's the best spot you've been to so far? Everybody asked me that, and I would say New York. There is a reason why I moved here, you know, and I just love it. And like it. it's there's something to be said about the fact that my I love my hometown more now that I don't live there, and I appreciate it so much more, and I miss it in a in a homier way. I um, but I also but New York's home. Love it. Um, if you could collaborate with one artist in the next two years, who's someone that you're just dying to work with? John Williams. Yeah. Oh, God. Me too. You and me both. You are a wealth of knowledge. You are a wealth of encouragement. And I'm so excited for all that you're doing. I know that we're in this COVID situation where everything's kind of on hold. How is this affecting you and your work and what's going on? <sighs> Good question. Um... So basically everything that I had in production has stopped. Mm -hmm. um, that means that a lot of spring projects will potentially become summer projects or be pushed to beyond our knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of commercial projects have indefinite dates right now. The one main project that I'm am working on right now is that, that I'm in post-production with a feature called the volunteers mm -hmm. and that one, we're still in post-production. Um, it has slightly affected our post-schedule, uh, but it also has given us much more post-production time. Um, so we're kind of taking our time and making some creative decisions for the movie um, and working 
to understand what are what is the new distribution world for it mm -hmm. uh, to know um, what are the next steps after the movie's done. Um, and that's what we're collectively collectively doing right now as the movie is getting worked on with sound and our posters getting made and our and all of the other marketing steps are being taken. That's awesome. What, uh, what keeps you busy now, now that everything's kind of on a hold? Uh, I'm trying to take care of myself and, and value uh, my mental health and understand what we can do as an industry right now to take care of ourselves when right now all we do have is time and we never have time. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also reading a lot of scripts. I have about five in my inbox right now, which I'm very excited for. Um, and I joined a volunteer organization called FEEL, which stands for Film and Entertainment Emergency Logistics, in which we're trying to employ entertainment workers um, to help doctors and people in the front lines with masks and supplies and gowns. And now our newest initiative is to try and bring them some food so that they're fed as well. That's awesome. Um, so that has definitely kept me busy. I love that. You are a very yeah. giving person. How do our listeners find you? How do we support you? How do we watch what's coming out? What's your, how do we do all the things? Tell me everything. So, um, my Instagram is producer Jess. So that one's super easy. Um, and I would point at things, but this is a podcast, so there's no way to like point at stuff. But you can, it's okay. I'll, I'll pretend like it's there. Like you can find it here below. Well, you um, can on the site. I will put it, I'll put the link in there. So it'll be good. Um, and my website is jess-weiss.com, and I always post about the latest projects there with all the links and the credits, and you can see the people that I'm working with as well. I, of course, have an IMDb because that's the film Bible, and it's so important to make sure that, you know, all my life achievements are there. Um, and, you know, Facebook is there too so you can always find me there i love it jess weiss badass producer extraordinaire thank you for being here i'm so excited this has been so much fun stay safe wash your hands don't go outside unless you have to and keep us updated on whatever you got coming up i'm so excited for you you're too sweet right thank you so much thank for you talking. and i'll see you when i see you next maybe in the next couple days yes let's do it thank you so much take care you too bye, bye. mixed by the incredible Kara Lee. Thank you, Kara, for all that you're doing for Triple Threats and Beyond. Guys, you can visit us on Twitter at TTB with Roy. You can follow us on Instagram at Triple Threats and Beyond. You can go to our newly built by Katie Beth Barber uh, website, www.tripletreatsandbeyond.com. You can also go visit our brand new YouTube channel and see what we've got going on up there. You don't want to miss this. Stay connected. Let's talk. Let's talk about future guests. Let's talk about past guests. Let's just talk. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for staying connected. Stay safe. Bye.